You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, another good episode today. Man, how do I how do I kick this off? It's uh, it is really close to shed hunting season and i actually think that tomorrow if i <laughs> it's gonna sound funny if i get all my work done and all my chores done i'm gonna try to go out for an afternoon shed hunt uh tomorrow which is gonna be the day that this episode is released so friday and i know where some standing corn is and i've been hesitant to get out and uh go walk it but for one reason, because I don't want to bump anything. I, I kind of have to walk through some good terrain to get it. Um, it is an isolated cornfield that I don't know why they didn't pick it. Um, so it's this isolated cornfield. So I'm going to go walk it and see what uh, and see what I can find. I, I don't I don't know. Um, I've noticed that there's a lot of people out there starting to find stuff, uh, find horn, but I just. I've kind of been laying off, but I think tomorrow is going to be my first walk. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, anytime you can get outside and go take a walk and look for antlers, it's a it's a good day. So we'll see we'll see what I can find. The deer have been pretty concentrated lately in the uh, in the areas. I've noticed that uh, this has been a couple weeks now, and obviously there's been some snow melt since then, but. Let's see, my son and I went out on a drive and we saw 111 deer in about a 45 minute drive. And I'll tell you right now, they were all in groups of 20 or more. I guess I take that back. There was a couple, two, you know, two and threes there, but there was one field that just was stacked. There was another field just stacked. So um, we saw probably about a uh, we saw well over 100 deer and we saw some bucks that were still carrying so uh, I'm gonna go and walk some of those farms see if I can't you know a gain permission or some of them I already have permission on so we'll see what happens man I'm, I'm getting excited for this time of year I <laughs> this has been a while ago but I dumped some corn and the only thing only trail camera pictures I've been getting has been of does and like really young shed bucks um, I think the biggest buck I, I've gotten on camera is a hundred, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, less than a hundred inches. He's, he's tiny. He's like a three by three, 
uh, no brow tines, just this real time, like just, you know, real young deer. And so I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself. I'm like, dude, I just spent 200 bucks in corn to drop in front of this trail camera. And the only thing that I've been getting has been does. Well, I'll tell you right now, the, I am definitely helping these two doe groups. There's, I think there's a total of there's a doe group of four and a doe group of five that hit this corn pile every night on schedule. And so they're healthy. They're definitely going to make it through the winter. I just hope that some of these big dogs um, kind of show back up. I mean, this farm that I have access to has been a an early season producer and then the pressure kind of hits and then it kind of all goes to shit after that, but I got to try to figure this farm out because there's some giants that live there all summer long. And then as soon as the pressure hits and it's, it's an immediate hard pressure, like guys are going in to set their tree stands and trail cameras up on the day or two before October. There's nothing I can do about it. So I got to find a way to flank that and get ready for that for the upcoming you know, for the upcoming season. And uh, I already have some tree stands up. I think I might just leave them up and, and kind of see what happens. So, th- so that's kind of what's going on in, in my neck of the woods. Today's episode is actually a really good episode. We're going to be talking with my buddy and a guy I rely on for some really good graphic design works. He, uh, he's done a handful of my logos uh, here on the network. And uh, I really appreciate uh, how good of a job that he does. He's really good to work with. His name is Brad Beaver. I just said that. And he's an awesome graphic designer and he's an avid bow hunter. So it, it, this is kind of a BS session. We talk a little bit about some bad luck that he had earlier on in the season, which has kind of turned back to a good luck now that one of the bucks that he ends up hitting uh, and not killing survived back on trail camera and we talk a little bit about finding a, a, a niche within the hunting industry and make a living out of it so make a living out of doing something you love so it's a really good bs session i know you guys are going to enjoy it commercial time so let's see here i'm going to run through some products here real quick first off is novix outdoors you guys know that lone wolf has gone bye-bye and novix is replacing them this isn't a a rebrand it's a brand new company that sells tree stands the same owners as lone wolf brand new company not a rebrand same sticks same uh pretty much the same sticks pretty much the same stand same functionality made in america very durable very quiet very easy to set up and tear down and they're designed for the mobile hunter so head on over to novexoutdoors.com take a look at everything that these guys offer their hang on stands their climbing sticks they have logo wear a whole bunch of other stuff and and just take a look at uh at it yourself i'm uh, a huge fan of their smaller their smaller platform stand and the four sticks that gets me anywhere i need to be so novexoutdoors.com title sponsor vortex optics and I, I was listening to an episode, uh, some gear episode podcast, not the hunting gear podcast, but another uh, podcast that was talking about optics and some guy called, and I don't, I can't remember the name of the podcast, but some guy called vortex optics, a middle of the road optic. The only reason that I can maybe assume that is because their prices are not as expensive as some of the, uh, other uh, other optics on the market but what i can tell you from using 
Vortex Optics for several years, like several years, it's not a middle of the road company. It is a top, they're the cream of the crop when it comes to optics. Amazing glass, right? Amazing customer service. And when you add those two things together, you're gonna have a company that has staying power and products that work. And really at the end of the day, that's all that's all we want is products that work. So that with their VIP warranty, where if you break it, whether it's your fault, your dog's fault, it drops out of the car it, it, at 90 miles an hour, or it burns up in a house fire, you send it back into them, they will replace it or fix it for free and then send it back to you. So head on over to vortexoptics.com, take a look at their spotting scopes, range finders, a lot of new products that are gonna be coming out in the uh, next handful of months. And on top of that, amazing binoculars and whole, like rifle scopes, red dots, you name it, they have it. So uh, great people over there at Vortex. And then exodusoutdoorgear.com. Hey Dan, why do you like Exodus Outdoor Gear? I'll tell you why, because when I turn their trail cameras on, they work. And I say this, I want, I, I repeat this all the time because before Exodus, I was not confident in the trail cameras that I was using. Maybe they're taking pictures. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're working. Maybe they're not. When it gets cold outside, the, some of them slowed down, not with Exodus, turn it on, walk away. And I feel confident that my trail cameras are working because if I've had this had this experience in the past where, dude, you go and you're like, God, yeah, it's the rut. I'm going to check this trail camera. Oh, it's like maybe over a big scrape that's been freshly worked. And then the trail camera that I was using before Exodus didn't take any pictures. And I lose my mind. And it pisses me off because I've invested time and energy to go not only buy trail cameras, but to put them out, make sure they're working properly and they don't take pictures. Jesus, man, what's the point of having a trail camera at that point? So huge fan of Exodus and what they're doing. Um, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. They have every type. They have a, you know, a lower end or I shouldn't say lower end. I should say a more cost-effective product. They have their lift product. They have cell cams, right? So everything that you guys need, they have as far as trail cameras are concerned and a lot of good info on their, uh, on their website along with excellent customer service and uh, a really good warranty as well. So, oh, and they have a solar panel. Check out their solar panel. All right, exodusoutdoorgear.com. And lastly, we have... Excalibur crossbows. Now I will be picking up an Excalibur crossbow uh, here. I'd say early spring time frame. I I am going to get it set up for my daughter and for my son and for my wife to shoot because I feel like this. I'm, I'm, I have this feeling that a crossbow is going to be a, an entry. It's going to be an entry for them into hunting and I want to make it fun and compound bows can be um, hard to do, especially if you're a smaller kid or a younger child. Um, rifles and, and guns can be intimidating, uh, a little bit intimidating, uh, especially with how loud they are. So I feel like the best, the best best entry for me and my family is going to be a crossbow. So I'm going to go over to ExcaliburCrossbow.com and take a look at all those, uh, all they offer. 
I'm also going to be talking with their customer service department to try to find what crossbow is good for us, you know, my children and maybe one that's good for my wife. She's fairly small as well. And they have tons of options. Uh, and on top of that, it's a, a durable product that's been around for a while. They have some crazy technology in their within their twin strike. That's two arrows and one crossbow. It's nuts. So uh, check that out at ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Commercials are over. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Huge shout out to you. Really appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys do your scouting uh, online. I'm looking forward to hearing about the sheds you found and or the, the rub line that you're uh, excited to hunt this fall because you found it during shout, uh, scouting and all that shit. So um, huge shout out to all of you. Good luck this spring and whatever you're doing. I'm feeling positive today. Spread that positive energy and we'll talk to you on the back end. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Brad Beaver. Brad, what's up, man? How we doing? Doing good, doing good. So, my one of my best friends in high school, his last name was Beavers. Ed Beavers was his name, and and uh, his you yeah. know the Beavers family they were known in 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 the town uh, that I grew up in, uh, and. He was one of my good friends, and we still gave him a lot of shit for his his last name being Beavers, right? So, yeah. <laughs> growing yeah. up, did you ever get shit for your last name? Oh yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard about all of them, <laughs> and I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. why, but I still I still laugh at all that. You know, it's it's immature, but I laugh at it. So yeah, yeah, my my roommate, his last name's Cox. So are you serious? yeah oh my god (laughs) that would make that would that's like so much material right there dude between the two of us we've 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 heard about every joke oh man that that's so funny it it seems it (laughs) seems almost made up we actually went to we went and shot some stuff for john dudley a couple years ago and uh he posts on his story he's like i'm here with beaver and cox and we're like oh my god john like (laughs) So oh, that's funny. funny, man. That's funny. How'd your, uh, I, I know that you were uh, a camera guy, uh, behind the camera for a, a gigantic deer that was shot this year, but how did your deer season go yeah. this year? Uh, mine was pretty shitty, honestly. Um, I shouldered our, my number one. Um, he like caught me draw and just got spooky and I thought I could bust through his shoulder and I didn't. Um, and then after that, he was kind of my target. So, you know, obviously once you shoot a buck, it's hard to get another crack at him, but that was my goal. Um, so I was a little bit stubborn maybe, but I didn't end up filling my tags. Um, but luckily that deer's still alive, so we can chase him next year. But yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't fill a tag. It was, it was frustrating year. Um, we didn't, the way the crop rotation was, we didn't have many bucks on us until kind of the rut so yeah it was just kind of slow i don't know it's kind of a weird year but yeah i mean it's it's crazy that you know a couple things there crop rotation you know I, I honestly don't think enough people talk about that and the impact that it has on uh the deer herd in i don't want to say yeah as absolutely. a whole but as like uh as just like small deer groups like a doe group or or specific bucks because on the farm that i hunt um I it, I call it a corn ear, but there's a major. I call it corn ear when there's a majority of beans, but only I I only call it a corn ear because there's two fields 
that for some reason, when it's a corn year, they mm-hmm. will take the corn out much later. So they left it in all the way up until mid-November this year. Um, but when mm-hmm. the beans, when they have beans, they take the beans out right away. But they leave the corn in for a longer period of time, even though even though it's ready. So that has a huge impact on where the deer are at, and it keeps the deer kind of in between two properties, not stacked into the timber like I would rather have, you know what I mean? So, Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely overlooked, especially like on a property that you hunt. Obviously, corn versus beans from year to year. If, if they do rotate, like that affects movement mm-hmm. on our farm anyway. It affects movement a lot from year to year. So next year, uh, with the way the rotation is, it, it actually sets up pretty good for us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, so this buck you shouldered um, is this a buck yeah. that you had history with through several years, or just a first timer? Yeah, it's actually a pretty cool story. We uh, he's one of the one of the first bucks we got on camera when we first got the lease last year. Um, and me and my lease partner at the time decided that he was too young to shoot, um, so he kind of became like our number one prospect. So we called him Rookie, um, just because he was like, we're like, dude, this dude's gonna be a stud. Um, and then he disappeared last year around shotgun season. I actually thought he died. Yeah. Uh, just because of the timing, like he was so, um, consistent on our farm and then shotgun season came and went and he just disappeared. So I'm like, he's dead. Like somebody shot him. Yeah. Um, and then this year he showed up, I think October 24th. Um, we got a picture of him and I was like, dang, that kind of looks like rookie. Uh, and then he just started moving into our farm. Like we got him kind of on the edge and then the next day he'd get a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter. And before we knew it, he was like super killable. Um, and we just like, after looking at pictures, we're like, this is rookie. Like he freaking, he blew up a little bit. Um, so yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. We, we did have some history with him. Um, I have a lot of history with him now, so I'm excited to hunt him next year. It's, yeah. it's going to be a cool story. I've never, uh, I've never actually like had a buck that, I can say on February 4th, what, what today is like, that's going to be my target next year. Yeah. Um, going in. Cause I know he's alive and I know he's going to be like, he's going to be a five-year-old, I think. So yeah. if he sticks around, man, like that's going to be, that's going to be my guy. So it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's a good feeling knowing that, right? Like, the, right. Yeah. The, the main property that I hunt, man, it just get it, there's so much pressure during the gun season that it just kicks all the deer out, and there are a couple there are a couple doe groups that um, that stick around, but the 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 property itself just gets pushed. All the mature deer, it seems like, don't come back until spring green up. And that's when you start to see them again around the, the late April, early May time frame when, you, you know, like you, in order to know what the deer is, you have to have some kind of characteristics like a cut ear or a broken ear right. or like a scar on the face or something that sticks out. So, um, yep. I don't know, man, I, I, I wish I could still like, I used to be so serious about that stuff, but now it's just like. It's so hard because I'll have a buck on, on the properties that I hunt that will be there two years in a row. I'm like, yes, and then he'll disappear, and then he, maybe he'll come back uh, you know, as a four-year-old or a three-year-old, or excuse me, a four-year-old or, or a five-year-old. I'm just like, where did you go for a whole year? Like, what yeah. what happened? So I don't I know. know. Man. It's frustrating when they do that, too, because 
your mind automatically goes to they're dead. They're yeah, like, exactly. They're like, they're done, you're dead, and mm-hmm. then they show back up. It's always exciting. But, yeah, our form's the same way. It has so much shotgun pressure. So we kind of are, like, it's kind of like crunch time once both season starts to come down to an end because it's like we don't know who's going to live and who's not with all the pressure around us. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys able to leave like beans or, or corn or, or have food plots on that property to get them to come back in for a, you know, a shot at him late season? Yeah, we've got, uh, we had quite a bit of standing beans this year, which I think honestly is what made him stick around through shotgun season. Um, again, last year he left during shotgun season and this year we, we really focus on keeping a lot of food. So I think that actually paid off and he stuck around and he actually shed out on us. But um, next year, I'm hoping to have you more. Um, and again, with that crop rotation, it'll be good. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I'm excited. Yeah. So let me ask you this about this buck, right? Your, your number one shows up. You have a, a an awkward encounter with him. You throw an arrow, you know, you put an arrow in his shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. Did it not, like what happened? Did it not penetrate? Did it hit the, the joint? Did it, I mean, what was the yeah, story it, there? No penetration. And also my broadhead was, uh, loose. I, I didn't realize it, but you can, in the footage, you can actually hear my broadhead when I draw my bow, it like rattles, oh, um, no shit. which of course is not good. It was a, it was a expandable. Um, but honestly the deer picked that up too. Like I've never had a deer catch me when I draw, but I drew and he just spun and looked right at me Yeah, and he was closed off. Um, when he did that, so kind of went through my head quick and I was like, I just got to, like, he's going to bust. I got to at least put, give him something. So, um, yeah, ended up, it just didn't penetrate. Like I literally got like two to three inches of of penetration. So yeah, need to look at my arrows this off season as well. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'm not a big like arrow nerd, but after that I'm like, I should probably pay attention. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, I, I, had one bad experience back in like dude i think it was 2010 where i shot just a little high but i thought the penetration should have been there and back you know back in back then 2010 no one was really talking about heavy arrows it was still at the the tail end of that speed type you know like god you got to get fast arrows and shit like that right and then after that i started talking to some people about you know, you need to get a heavier arrow. You need to get a, you know, you need to get a Mack truck of an arrow. Yeah. <laughs> and then once I started, you know, once I, it, I can remember the first time I bumped my arrow weight up. I think right now I'm shooting 524. Um, and depending on who you talk to that, that still seems kind of light, but I was bumping up into the, the mid four hundreds. And I can remember the first deer I shot. Once I did that, I took a doe I, I, she was quartering away. I hit her behind the front shoulder and it actually hit the, the opposite shoulder on her. It took her off her feet and she just died right there. And it was like, that was yeah. a, it was a, an awakening. I'm just like, I had, I got to start yeah. paying more attention to my arrow setup. Yeah. That's a kind of a similar story, obviously, but, um, I'm going to do that this, like this experience is what you just described for me. Like, I should probably pay attention to my arrow set up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So but. when that, when you hit that buck and you, I mean, was it instant? Like, did you instantly know you got no oh, penetration? Yeah. yeah. I actually, in the video I shot and I go, he's not going to die. Yeah. Like I knew him. I just knew immediately, you know, as a bow hunter, like, 
some sh- some shots you're like they're dead. Yeah. And some you're like, oh, that was bad. Yeah. That's how that's how this was. As soon as I released it, I was like, nope, that's not good. Yeah. So we reviewed footage. I mean, we looked for blood. There was there really wasn't even any blood. So we just I was like, he's gonna live. Yeah. Actually, he did. He daylighted not long after that. Um, like I could have, I could have killed him a couple times had I been in a certain tree after that, but. I didn't want to pressure him too hard and run him off because I knew he was probably hurting. So yeah, it is it is what it is. So what was that time frame like? I mean, how many days after you hit him until he started showing back up on camera again? Man, he showed up. Uh, he showed up three days later, not in daylight, but he at night with a broken brow time. So he'd been uh, fighting. So he yeah. So he'd been aggressive. So I was like, this dude's gonna be fine. Like yeah. He obviously doesn't feel too bad. And then he daylighted again, I want to say a few weeks later. Um, and then he daylighted a lot during muzzleloader season. But uh, obviously here in Iowa, once shotgun seasons are over, it's all just late muzzy and, and bow. Yeah. Um, and once he got through shotgun season, I decided I was like, might as well let him live. Especially with the uh, broken brow, right? Yeah, well, yeah. right. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of decided late muzzy. Like, I, I probably could have hunted him more late muzzy. But after he got through shotgun season and I saw he was alive, I was like, let's just see what he does next year because um, I'd rather kill him with a bow anyway. Yeah, that's a fact, man. Um, well, <laughs> so I've done that before where I uh, – so, I mean, I, can't, I think it was 2014 or 15 or something like that. I can't remember. Um I I had this 170 class 10 that I was chasing. It was November 24th. I was still bringing all my camera equipment into the tree with me. Um, <laughs> you know, I was self-filming at the time and this this buck shows up. Right? I'm like, "Holy shit, there he is." Shows up. As I'm getting my camera, I got my bow in one hand. I'm getting my camera set up for the shooting lane. He makes it to the shooting lane. I'm not ready yet. He keeps walking. Uh, I'm trying to film it and I you know, do the thing where you zoom out and you're just like, yep. oh, I, there's, I, I just, I got to make the shot. And I put a shitty shot on him. I pretty much just like backstrap him and take like hit out yeah. one of his ribs. And I followed blood for just a little bit. Like when I say a little bit, I mean 80 yards and then no more blood. And I knew where I hit him. I'm just like, he's not going to die. He showed up the next two years and then, uh, and then someone shot him uh, on a, on a neighboring farm. But I just like that, that feeling when you shoot a deer and you, you're, you're, you know, he's not dead right now. That's like, I don't know about you, but like that, that just like, that's all I thought about for like three months after that. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's uh it's not fun, especially when, I mean, you, you do all that work and all that time in the stand and you really get like one moment, mm-hmm. uh, like, and then you blow that. It's like, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy. And some people don't. Some people don't get a second chance either. Yeah, unfortunate enough that he's still alive. Yeah, that's a fact. You know what? You know that that comment you just made there. The the amount of time we as serious and I'll just even categorize it even into the bow hunting category. I know that there's guys out there who set their whole farm up for every season, right? Bow hunting, uh, gun hunting, and then late season muzzy or, or 
art, late season archery, whatever it is they do, they're busy. They, they put so much time into it and, and like you, you nailed it. It's like one, it's like one moment you have one encounter with one target animal, whether, you know, whether that's a big antler deer or a mature deer or any deer really, um, those encounters are so small compared to the time that we spend thinking and, and checking trail cameras and doing food plots for some guys, you know, and, and the scouting, it just blows my mind how much time outside of it goes into that small moment to try to be successful. Yep, absolutely. That's, uh, I have a, I have a good friend and we've actually kind of made a brain out of it, but it, he, he says that hunting is 90% what you do outside of the actual kill shot. Yeah. And like 10%, it's really 10% of the entire hunt is that kill. Yeah. But the, all the rest of that, all that other 90% is, you know, that's where you kill your deer. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts, man. Did you, uh, did you make it to Nebraska this year? Uh, I did not. No, I actually had an invite and it, it fell through. I think I had a, had a wedding to attend, but, uh, Jesus. these weddings, my, man, I know, dude, especially during deer season. Like what the heck? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and maybe get out there, um, again this fall. Yeah, man. I love Nebraska. Um, it's flat as shit. It's sneaky. But, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. There's something about it. Like there's a, you know, obviously, uh, when you get out to the further west, you know, you can start getting into the mule deer too. That terrain out there is kind of, uh, you know, you think everybody thinks in Nebraska, especially being from Iowa, you know, we're bordering the flattest part of the state out west, you know, out, you know, western Iowa, eastern Nebraska. And then you get out west closer to the Colorado and the Wyoming and, and uh, you know, the western part of the state out there. And it's just it's like mini mountains in some spots. Yeah. Is your, yeah, it's a, uh, is your, where you go, go to hunt? Are you like midway through the state or are you out, out West further? Uh, the place I killed two years ago was, uh, I'd say, I'd say central. central. Um, yeah, I, I forget the town name right now, but it's like North central, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's just, dude, it's just flat. Like, yeah. Hay fields, not a lot of trees to hang in. So it's tough, but there's some big deer out there. Yeah, I believe it. So I get asked this question all the time, and you are a very talented uh, digital artist, I guess you want to say, digital designer or whatever title you give yourself. But uh, I get asked all the time, like, hey, dude, how do I get into the hunting industry? And really, there are a a ton of options as far as, you know, like what I'm doing, running the, you know, running a podcast network or doing podcasting, you're doing graphic design and um, videos and artwork for, for companies. Um, Man, what, Mm. what have, what have you done for me? You've done the, the new Western rookie logo. You did the, you did the nine finger chronicle Uh, logo. Yep. We did a, uh, how to how, how to, to hunt, hunt deer yep yeah how to hunt deer that was a cool one yep how to hunt deer um, logo yeah i mean it seems like we've worked together a lot yeah. uh over the years but um i mean as far as getting in the industry i get that question a lot too um i, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity with uh, midwest whitetail mm-hmm. um 
I wasn't an intern at the time, but it, it was basically an internship for me just because I was only there for like six months. Um, but the thing I always tell people is like, just network, network yourself as much as possible. Um, because as you know, I mean, the industry is not that big. No. Um, it seems big, you know, looking from the outside, but once you, once you're in, you're in kind of thing. Um, and obviously, I mean, do something that you're good at and you, you know, believe in and believe in it and just keep doing it. I mean, it sounds cliche, but if you work hard and find something that you like to do, um, good things will happen. Yeah. One thing to, to add too is like, I feel like if you work for a company, right? If you say, man, I want to get into the hunting industry because I love hunting and I want to, I want to hunt a lot. I feel like, and Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to hear your thoughts on this. The direction you should go if you want to hunt more is completely different than if, you know, like if you just want to get into the hunting industry, because there's a lot of companies out there who are probably looking for positions to fill, but as me and you both know that if if you're if you work for one of those companies you're going to be actually very busy during the hunting season yeah absolutely um yeah it's kind of a common misconception like i want to get in the hunting industry so i can hunt a lot like yeah. that's not a lot of people are fortunate enough to do that um working in the industry now that yeah. being said um, obviously you are working in an industry, you're working in the hunting industry. So some of the things you're doing always revolve around hunting in some aspect, but as far as like free time behind the bow, um, it's not always, it's not always doable. You know what I mean? I mean, it's still work yeah. and you hit the nail on the head. If you're working with a company, um, taking photos or video or, whatever you're doing, um, it's work. And yeah, it's during the hunting season, but you're still working. Yeah. Um, those, that, those that get to hunt a lot, you know, during the year are, are fortunate. Yeah. What, what would you say your busiest time of the year is doing what you do? Um, on the graphic design side, like 90% of what I do is graphic design. Um, I would say like this time of year, yeah. like February, March. Um, and it seems like, companies uh people are out of the woods they're out hunting or they're out of hunting they're in their office and they're like oh i have this i have this digital project i need or i have this digital thing that i need so it seems like once hunting season kicks in people are less focused on that they're more in the woods hunting yeah um so that kind of slows down for me then um so yeah i would say spring start of the year and spring is really my busiest time in my office and then Obviously, once we get into turkey season, that rolls into summer scouting, and that's kind of when everything kicks off. But, um, yeah, I would say February, March is my busiest time. Yeah. So for for me right now is when, you know, like you own your business, I own my business, and we we force, I would say for me anyway, I, don't, I want to hear what you have to say, but I force all my work to be – in the, um, you know, into the post the, that, that January to August timeframe so that I can grow the business, I can feed the business and I can, um, basically set the business up so that when hunting season comes, it's just maintenance at that point. You know what I mean? 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Maintenance is a good word. Um, and it kind of touches on what we just talked about, like being fortunate enough to hunt if you work in the industry. But I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If you, if you set up things to succeed outside of hunting season, once hunting season comes, you can kind of decide when you get to hunt. That's the, I mean, that's the, the great thing about working for yourself is you can, you can say, you know what, I'm going to, decide to take less money or take less projects during hunting season so that I can hunt. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the thing. Like I, I have friends that'll be gone all fall and they're not hunting, but they're out there making money and they're making their business better. And that's all fine and good, but you also don't have any tree time, you know? So you kind of have to, you have to balance what you want, you know, what you want to do. It's just like anything else. Yep. That's a fact, man. And I'll, and I'll tell you this, one thing I've noticed, and, and I, I, I know, I, th- I think I know what you're going to say on this, but one thing I've noticed is as technology becomes, is growing and the, the deer, like the, the hunting industry a handful of years ago, and, and in a way is still behind from a technology standpoint on a lot of other oh, industries. Yeah. And, you know, it's the, it's still kind of the, the old boys club, the good old boys club, but now, sure. yeah, but now we're starting to come out of that as companies start to hire, you know, directors of marketing. And it's not just like, Hey, my buddy, Billy here, he does the marketing for the company. Right. <laughs> as we start to see yeah. companies like Faradine and pure archery group and some of these other conglomerates get bigger they do a lot of outsourcing work right and that's when guys like you step up so have you seen a have you seen a an, an uptick in companies outsourcing some of that work to guys like you instead of bringing it in-house uh yeah i would say so um obviously the smaller companies have to outsource stuff um, some of the bigger ones can afford to hire, you know, in-house people, you know, an in-house craft designer and in-house, you know, content guy, yeah. um, whatever it may be. But honestly, a lot of these companies, their only option is to outsource stuff. Yeah. Um, just because of, again, the hunting industry being kind of small and you know this, but a lot of these big companies, quote unquote, aren't that big in the grand scheme of things in my experience anyway. Um, so obviously outsourcing, Again, that content, uh, whether it be graphic design, photography, video, is a lot easier and more affordable than hiring a full-time dude to just sit in your office and, and do it all. And um, when you outsource, you can outsource you know, 10 to 15 people as opposed to just one and get more content. Um, the thing about, you touched on it a little bit, but the thing about content now in the hunting industry is content is king. Um, I mean, everyone needs it. Yeah, It's just the world we live in. Um, so the more you can get the better. So it's a lot easier to outsource on, in, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I tell you what, but in the, the way I look at it though, is like, there's, there's windows, there's, there's, uh, opportunities for guys and it's not just, Hey, graphic design, digital design, it's writing. It's, I don't, Absolutely. I mean, any, anything that you're good at a business needs that. And that business could, you know, potentially be in the hunting industry. So I'm, what I'm saying is like there, if you're, if you're willing to work for yourself and gut it out for a while, there's, there is definitely opportunity for people to, 
get in there and 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 take a little wedge out of that. And I think yes, me and you absolutely. are both exa- examples of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Again, you hit nail on the head. But the opportunities, especially in this industry, because of how small it is, again, like are are endless. And if if again, if you're good at something and you have the um, know how to do it and do it well, um, there's definitely room to work in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, you've worked with Matthews before, right? I mean, that's a gigantic company. You've done stuff. You do, you do stuff for them, right? Yeah. They're uh, one of my main clients, actually. Um, I do a lot of graphic work for them and photography video stuff. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's an example of one of the most recognizable brands in the hunting industry, working with someone, you know, you and, and you're just a one man show, right? You, you don't have a, you know, you don't own like a studio or a, uh, you don't hire a group of people. No. Yeah. It's, it's mainly me. I mean, obviously we have, I have a lot of friends that do the same and we all are fortunate enough to kind of work together on some stuff when, when need be, but yeah. Uh, yeah, technically it's just me, but, um, yeah, I mean, fortunate enough to be connected with Matthews and some of my other clients as well, obviously. Um, but like I said, it's, it's one of those things where if you just, you know, put your head down and, yeah. and do hard work, good things, good things happen. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's see here. Like, I I know there's some guys out there and I want to get, I want to get your, your opinion on this. Like I'm going to fast forward past shed hunting. Okay. Cause I, I want to do, there's a standing cornfield that I'm waiting. Like I'm just waiting. I, I, like I want to be the first guy to walk through it, but I know there's probably other some other guys in there. But I feel like my pressure, if I go in there, it's just going to be a little too early yet, you know, to, yeah. to get out there and hammer it. So I'm like I, I don't want to talk about shed hunting right now. But what I do want to talk about is a very a weird topic for me because. Like I love deer hunting. I love big game hunting. I like going out west and chasing mule deer. But yeah. I can't. You can't do that every year. What is your stance on turkey hunting? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> uh, I don't like it. I'm not a turkey guy. I've kind of been known now for some reason that I'm not a turkey guy, and I don't know why. Uh, I think it's just because I'm so in love with deer hunting. Yeah. Um, that turkey hunting is like kind of, you know, whatever. Um, also I'm not a big gun guy. Like yeah. I'll be the first guy to tell you, I don't know a lot about guns. Um, same, same here. Never, never grew up around them. Always just used a bow. So like, I'm not the guy that's like goes out with a gun and shoots birds, but, um, don't get me wrong. It's fun. And there's nothing else to do like, yeah, in right. the spring. <laughs> so I'll go, but I'm not one of these, like, I can't wait for turkey season guys. Yeah. And you know, if you are that guy, good, but that's not me. Right. Right. That's the same. I, I don't, there's yeah. guys out there and I love them to death because they should, they, they share the same passion that I share for, for deer hunting for turkey yeah. hunting like these guys get fired up they don't really care yeah. about they don't really care about uh turkey hunting like i like i care um or they don't care about deer hunting like it's just the flipped role and i just don't understand I don't that I, 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 don't I don't understand it. It. 
Like we just talked about having, you know, the deer on shoulder and having all this history and hopefully find his sheds and hopefully he's bigger next year and all this and that. You don't get any of that shit with turkeys. You just go out and shoot a bird and then you're done. Yeah. Do you think there's <laughs> not guys to, not to shit on turkey hunting, yeah. but I'm gonna shit on turkey hunting a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> all you guys that love it, I don't have you deer hunted before? Yeah. Do you think there's guys out there? And I'm assuming there's some crazy guys out there that do this. Do you think that there's guys out there who they'll work a Tom in and the Tom will be right in front of them and they'll just evaluate it? They'll be like, oh, man, spurs just aren't long enough. Beard just is. I think this is only a two or three year old. I'm really looking for that four year old Tom. Like, do you think there's man, guys? <laughs> you think there's guys out there who know. are doing that? I, I, I'm sure there are. I mean, my roommate Nick is, uh, my buddy Nick Cox is a huge turkey hunter. He almost loves turkey hunting more than deer hunting. Yeah. Um, and I've heard him say like, oh, this is a two-year-old Tom. This is a three-year-old Tom. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a freaking bird. Dude. Just shoot it. <laughs> it's right there. It's got a beard. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I had a, I got a, uh, a, I hunted with my buddy or a, a buddy back in the day. We don't, we haven't hunted in years, but this was back when I, you know, we would do a whole I mean, we would go sleep, you know, camping for a week and do turkey. This like it was turkey season, and we got into it hard. And we would sit there, and uh, we'd be listening to this gobble, and he'd be like, "That's nah, only a two-year-old, only a two-year-old." Like, how the hell do you even know that? Like, I, like, I know. are you a connoisseur of turkey gobbles? Because <laughs> I can't. I, I that's a that's just a straight up gobble, right? And uh, I know. And now there's going to be guys out there. Who listen to this and they go, oh, 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 you can definitely, you can definitely know the mature <laughs> maturity of, of a gobble. But uh, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad we're in the same boat. But I will put an yeah. App. I've always I've always said if deer like went around gobbling, I don't think I would like to hunt them as much either because yeah. there's this like when you turkey hunt and they gobble, you're like, oh sweet, like there's a turkey there that's gonna come in, yeah. and they never do. Yeah, like they never do what you think they're gonna do. Um, so like the whole gobble thing too, like some guys get excited about that and I'm just like, they do it all day. What's so special? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, man, like, I don't know, but I'll tell you this turkey hunting, like I'm not a turkey guy unless it's turkey season. And I'm looking on my little whiteboard here that I have all my, like all my trips planned for, uh, for you know october i'm going to on a deer hunt november i'm going on a deer hunt on two deer hunts january i'm going on a deer hunt uh but i'm looking at april right now and obviously i'm going to be turkey hunting here in iowa but i might go on my first ever out of state turkey hunt this year nice so there you go i just talk trash on turkey hunting but i'm actually gonna go i mean let's (laughs) let's not let's not get it twisted it's it's fun dude yeah, it's yeah, and that I should say that as well. Like it's fun, and I go. Um, but where my argument lies is the guys that say it's better than deer hunting. Yeah, right. It's not. <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, come on, man. Yep. So it's like I said, it's something to do yeah, in the spring. Yeah. Do you have any big trips planned for this fall? Like, uh, you know, you I know you kind of mentioned uh, maybe going back to Nebraska, but you going anywhere else? Uh, I'm not, um, honestly, I, I'm kind of a homebody when it comes to hunting. Um, this sounds, somebody might take this the wrong way, but, uh, like I moved to Iowa 
to hunt deer. I mean, yeah. I'm from Indiana, so sold my house, quit my job, moved to Iowa. So yes, work in the hunting industry, but also I moved literally for deer. So I do, like, I like to spend a lot of time here. Um, I never understood why guys, you know, up and move all the time, especially if you have like a, a farm like I do. And this is just the way I hunt. I, if, I'm nothing against you if you are a traveler, but we put so much work again into the farm to get an opportunity at these deer. I want to make every, every opportunity, make the best of every opportunity yeah. that I can. Um, and if I'm not in the state and I'm not hunting that farm, um, I can't do that. So I'm not a big traveler when it comes to deer. I like just, again, like focusing on one, one deer or one farm and trying to kill there. Um, yeah. so I guess to answer your question, no, I, I, probably won't do a lot of whitetail travel um outside of let me say this um inside of the season in iowa so october october 1 to january whatever i'm in iowa yeah um but if i can go to ohio or nebraska in september i'm gonna do that because that just lengthens, lengthens my season yeah um but once iowa opens man i'm i'm glued to a tree yeah and that's i've been there before where i go on a Usually every October, uh, I go out of state somewhere mm-hmm. just because for the most part, um, it's not like my farm's not ready yet. It's not ready to be hunted. The deer just aren't moving. Like typically mm-hmm. it's not until late, late October, uh, where the, the big dogs are on their feet in, in daylight. Mm-hmm. But this year I was, you know, everybody's got cell cams now attached to their phone and I'm sitting on this big knob glass in this valley and all of a sudden one of my shooters shows up on cell cam like with an hour <laughs> you know an hour of shooting light left and i'm just like man he's in the area but i'm you know i'm 18 you know i'm i'm 10 hours away i'm like 2 hours mm-hmm. even if i even if i hauled ass all through the night i would still probably get to my tree stand late the next morning so i don't know it's uh it's one of those catch 22 type deals yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have um, a few farms here that I can bounce around if, to your point, like if your farm's not ready or if there's not deer moving, um, you can kind of hunt elsewhere. But on that point, too, I, I like to get on bucks in October. Um, a lot of guys will take it easy. October, wait for the rut. But if you're hunting one specific deer, which I try to do every year, um, the rut can either make you or break you. Um, and a lot of times if you're hunting one deer end of October, end of October is my favorite time to hunt. But once you get into the rut, if you're hunting one specific deer, his routine can just go to shit. Um, so a lot of times, uh, the rut is great. Yeah. For activity and and stuff like that. But if you're hunting one deer, it it can honestly kind of suck. So that being said, I, uh, I like to focus on October a lot in, in food sources. Um, I think that's just the best way to try and kill them in October. Um, and then obviously late season food, but yeah. to your point, sitting on a, sitting on a knob and you get a shooter, it's like, damn, yeah, <laughs> should probably be there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I tell you, it's, uh, it's one of those things like, I don't know, like what, what are you thinking about right now? Uh, you know, obviously we, as bow hunters and as like hardcore deer hunters, we're all, we're thinking about this stuff all the time. What are you thinking Mm -hmm. about right now? 
Uh, as far as hunting goes? Yeah, just as far as next season. You know, you, you've already talked a little bit about this buck that you shouldered, and, uh, you know, you know he's still yeah. alive. But as far as, like, are you thinking game plan? Are you thinking habitat? Are you thinking, like, what are you thinking about? Yeah, that's a cool question. Um, right now, top of mind sheds, obviously, yeah. um, just because of the time of year. But um, that deer and, and my farm specifically um, – a lot of habitat improvement, I think, to try and keep him there longer. Um, again, last year he didn't show up until late October, so I want to try and fix that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just making things better on our farms—it's a constant battle. I mean, you, there's yeah. there's things you can constantly do. Like we're going to start hinge cutting next week, um, try and thicken stuff up, work work on farms. I mean, right now is a fun time to be to be a deer hunter um obviously i alluded to it a little bit but like that 90 percent of hunting kind of starts now so like right now is kind of the fun the fun part to yeah. start planning for next year and and that kind of stuff so yeah yeah man i i, I you know i don't have the ability to do any habitat improvement stuff but i mm-hmm. look at that like again you mentioned earlier lengthening your season Right. And that's that habitat work would be fun. And let's not let's not get it twisted. It'd be fun to run a chainsaw. I would yeah. love I would love to be able to do that stuff. And then maybe I would understand why some of these other guys and, and then see like love it so much. And then seeing the direct result of maybe, hey, man, I just created this bedding area and now this buck sticking around. Maybe he, he was on my farm for a little bit and then he goes to the neighbors for a little bit. But now he's on my farm yep. all the time, and the reason is because of this habitat work that I did. Exactly, and that's why you do it. And don't get me wrong, I, I grew up in Indiana, grew up hunting, and we never did any of that. I mean, it was just yeah. season open, goes out, you sit and go go shoot a deer. But, um, again, talking about kind of deer hunting versus everything else, I think that's where you feel connected to deer more because you are out there doing work, you're – sweating with a chainsaw you're putting in food plots in the summer sweating your ass off like um that's where you feel connected to deer a lot more um as opposed to just going out during season and shooting the first thing that walks by which nothing wrong with that i used to do a lot of that um but just again it's more fun to me to do the habitat improvement and see how you can literally control a wild animal just with some hard work and yeah um sweat equity you know what i mean yeah yeah um that and someday you know i i always i come off as the the i'm learning you know i'm still it's never like for me it's always learning right you're always learning the best way to absolutely um find a way to kill one of these animals right it's like i have a target buck i need to like i and it's it's different all the time it's this chess match that we all play and I, I don't talk about it enough. I don't do it. Like, I don't do it. So that it's hard for me to talk about the, the habitat work. Um, I always bring somebody else in to talk about it. But I as soon as I ever own a piece of property, I'm going to be that guy. Like, I'm, I'm going to someday mm-hmm. own some property. I'm going to do some habitat improvement because I want it to be the best habitat for wildlife. And And when I do, hopefully, I see some results in that. And then I'll be the guy that I've been talking shit about my whole life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's what I was kind of talking about before. I, I never used to do all of it because I didn't have access 
to do it. I mean, I didn't own Pete. I don't own Farm Now. I have a lease. Um, but one of my goals since I moved out here was to have a farm that I could do this stuff on simply because I like doing it. I mean, it's it's all a part of hunting to me. Um, so if you're a guy that doesn't, you know, you're like, I don't want to do that, that's cool. Um, but I like doing that stuff, and I've always had a goal to have a piece of property to do that on. Um, but that being said, it's, I mean, I grew up not doing it, so it's not like you have to hinge cut to kill deer, obviously. That's not the conversation we're having. But um, to, to your point about not having a piece of ground to do it on, um, maybe you have aspirations one day to have a piece of ground so yeah. you can be that guy. Yeah. I'm saving my pennies, man. I'm saving. I try to, <laughs> and with these ground, the, especially in Iowa, it, I don't know what it's like in any other state, but I, you know, you, you go through and you look and it's like, holy shit. Are we, are you selling me tillable ground? Because this rec ground, <laughs> this, the price of the uh, recreation ground in Iowa is that margin, that gap between tillable and rec ground mm-hmm. is, is closing. And it, dude, it's just, the price is out, out like, Every time I think I can afford something, the price goes up, and I'm just like, it's costing what per acre? Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's it's just going to continue to go up, it's the thing. I mean, that's the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, it's not like it's going to come down, but I'm with you. I'm saving, too. Um, I'd like to buy, hopefully, in the next few years, but there's something about owning, owning Iowa dirt that I like the, the yeah. sound of. Yeah, that and getting that, what we all really want, is that second buck tag, that second archery buck tag. Yeah. The, the landowner absolutely. tag. Yeah. So, yep. Absolutely. And then that makes, ultimately it's all about just having buck tags. Yeah. So, so, so really you're going to be spending how like hundreds of thousands of dollars just for an additional tag is what it all kind of boils down to. Yeah. I mean, right. absolutely. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> I mean, an investment. You could you could say it's an investment, you know, or whatever. But I wouldn't sell it until I'm dead. It's basically an investment for my children, and then they're just like, yeah. okay, what are we going to do with it? Probably just sell it, unless I, <laughs> I, you know, unless I nurture some kind of uh, uh, hardcore bow hunter. But that's the goal, man. Right. Yeah, I think that's everybody's everybody's dream, right? Right. Right. Well, um, man, I am. Uh, I'm starting to get fired up now. I don't know why, but this conversation has got me fired up for this upcoming season. I'm, I know, I think me and you are kind of the same type of person, like as far as just thinking about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, it never it never shuts off. I, this What I like about outside of the season is it's, optimism is through the roof, yeah. um, right? Just with anything, like, you're like, it's going to be, you know, the best year we're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. Um, so this is a fun time of year to be a deer hunter just because you're optimistic. There's fun projects to do. Um, just trying to make things better, you know? Yeah. And then the season starts and reality slaps you right in the face. (laughs) And the season starts and you're like, shit, what did I do wrong? (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And you get winded and you're like, screw all this. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, um, Brad, uh, so I have to, uh, f- full disclosure here. Um, when we, when we kicked off the how to hunt deer podcast, um, Brad did some pro bono work for us because this was, uh, um, 
a collaboration with the National Deer Association. So he did that logo for free for us. And I told him, hey, man, I, I, uh, I'll get you some airtime or I'll, I'll spread the word about your company. And that never happened, right? So, Brad, this is me telling you to tell the world or people, you know, if, if you, whether it's in the hunting realm or in the, cause you do, you'll do work for anybody, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not one to turn down work, Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, as far as getting my, getting my name out, I mean, I like graphic design is 90% of what I do. I, I grew up doing it. I've been doing it forever. Um, drawing, sketching, all of that literally since, I could hold a pencil I've been drawing so it's something I love doing I've been doing it a long time um, so I mean yeah anybody needs any help hit me up uh, um, I'm a busy guy but if it's uh, if it's worth my time I'll, uh, I'll help help a guy out just like helping helping you out the Deer Association obviously a cause I keep close to my heart just because of how big of a deer hunter I am so anytime we can help each other out that's good yeah absolutely and i'm going to tell you this right now brad's being humble right now he is <laughs> he's really good at what he does so if you need any type of graphic work or even other spitball marketing ideas go to this guy right now and if people want to reach you where where do they need to reach you at um instagram would be the best uh just brad beaver um that's where i kind of hold all my work as well so if you What's the name of your business again? Uh, it's Artec Branding. Artec Branding. Yep. Really just my LLC, but um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'll tell I you what, have Brad. I much of a social presence there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and BS with us for a little while. And, uh, dude, good luck this upcoming season. Hopefully you uh, connect again with uh, the rookie. Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, I appreciate it. It was fun, and thanks. I hope you have a, a good season as well. We have uh, how many months until we have to worry about being in the tree? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> eight, maybe? Is it eight? Because yeah, now it's February, so, so eight-ish, yeah. Not enough, I know that. And there you have it. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Brad. Uh, if you guys are looking for a graphic designer, dude, you need to hit him up because the dude's legit. So uh, talk to talk to Brad and that's it, man. I would say go to Instagram and, you know, if you're not following the Nine Finger Chronicles, you need to go follow the Nine Finger Chronicles on uh, Instagram. But I think I'm, I'm shadow banned. So it doesn't matter if you like me or not. Uh, they're not going to share any of my shit. So, um, you know, F you Instagram. And that's about it. So uh, I want everybody to have a real positive day. Uh, <laughs> good vibes in, good vibes out, guys. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.